Welcome to Financial Flight Academy with John Schutz and Brent Connolly from Soar Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we inspire families and business owners to build a foundation for their financial future. We do this by listening and building trust with our clients. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to protect your nest and live out your dreams as John and Brent draw from years of experience and guest experts to help you take that leap of faith. Well, if you've ever driven a car in the state of Nebraska, you're familiar with the work of our guest today. Jim Gregory went from being thrown out of high school to executive vice president of one of the largest road builders in the Midwest. I'm John Schutz. And I'm Brent Connolly. Jim's story is inspirational, and he's a very entertaining individual. We want to welcome him to Financial Flight Academy. Hi, Jim. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, I really appreciate you doing that. Jim's a friend, so, uh, you know, he has a lot on me, so we won't get too in-depth on some things. But <laughs> is, it fair to say, is it fair to say, Jim, that you would not have been the most likely to succeed in your early years of high school? Uh, I think that would be an accurate statement, yes. <laughs> well, why? <laughs> well, I, um, although my, in, in, when I was, when I was uh, growing up, my parents really uh, pushed education, and I pushed against that uh, somewhat. <laughs> and uh, I uh, uh, really wasn't uh, a very good student, and uh, I just went to school because everybody else had to. And uh, I, I was there. I didn't like it very much, and I really didn't think uh, there was much sense in uh, going to school or uh, advanced education, but my parents were firm about that. So I uh, had a choice of being homeless or going to school. So I went to school. <laughs> <laughs> Made the right choice. I would say that's probably a pretty good decision. So, so uh, where did you, where were you, where did you start high school? I started high school at Burke High School and I was, uh, I went my uh, sophomore and junior, uh, my junior season there. Uh, I was uh, gifted with uh, having uh, uh, pretty good athletic genes. Yes. And that worked. Don't worry, Jim. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll that, get to that. that I, I, that, I know that I'm contractually obligated to mention your athletic career. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say it, it worked against me a little bit because I was starting on varsity football and varsity wrestling when I was a sophomore, which was more unusual back in the seventies than mm -hmm. it is mm -hmm. today. Wow. So I was hanging around with a lot of juniors and seniors and I, uh, decided got invited to go on senior skip day with the seniors. And I oh, wow. <laughs> went on senior skip day and the school saw that as unexcused absence. And the senior skip day involved some drinking alcohol and I got kicked out of school. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So uh, I'm guessing that didn't make mom and dad too happy. Uh, mom and dad were not happy at all, but uh, fortunately I, uh, another school was just opening up Northwest high school and they were gracious enough to accept <laughs> me as a, as a senior there. <laughs> gracious enough. <laughs> So we've heard this story before where, okay, we've maybe had some little issues here and there. There's always seems to be someone that brings you back to the fold. So who was that individual that said, okay, you're on the wrong path. You know, let, let's get you straight. Well, sure. Uh, uh, very clear in my mind. It was uh, um, Bob Olson. That's his first name, right? 
Bob, yes. oh, uh, Bob Olson, the, the coach, the old coach. coach at Northwest. Yes, yeah, uh, baseball legend. See, you're putting me on the spot, but it's yes. uh, it's not Bob Olson. It's I'll I'll come up with it. But go ahead, uh, Coach Olson. Was yeah, who he was to me, but uh, Coach Olson was a uh, at Northwest. He was the uh, offensive and defensive line coach, so that's where I played uh, my football position, and I, he coached me for one season. And, uh, then, uh, about the, uh, somewhere towards the end of my football career or my, my football season, um, I had invited a, uh, young gal to go to, uh, homecoming with me. And when she, uh, found out I'd be driving my dad's old 61 station wagon, she found another, uh, date for homecoming. And oh, you got the old Marsha Brady treatment. Yeah. She sort <laughs> of, uh, stood me up about four days before homecoming and four days and told me I, you know, it wasn't going to work out. And she said it was because of the car. And I, I'm assuming she was being accurate. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, I decided that well, by golly, I wasn't going to play professional football and uh, sports uh, were, you know, although they were uh, fun for me, they, I didn't think they had much of, uh, were going to guide my future. Mm -hmm. So um, I decided I was going to uh, get a job working after school and uh, 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 make some money and buy a car. And about that time, wrestling football season ended and wrestling season started. And I got a job working at the Safeway Distribution Center at 36 and Cummings. And I was it was a great after school job. I could start at four o'clock. I'd work till eight and then I was off and uh, they paid really good wages back then. It was five or six dollars an hour. Uh, minimum wage back then was less than two. Mm. So, uh, it was a great, I thought it was a great opportunity. And, uh, so I was going to go to school, finish up high school and work and buy a car. Um, uh, uh, coach Olson had, um, uh, the wrestling coach then had, uh, noted that I wasn't out for wrestling and I had, I had been a, a pretty good wrestler at Burke high school and and uh obviously if you were wrestling as freshman sophomore right yeah yeah what, yes. what weight did you yeah. wrestle at uh, as a fresh it, well as a as a sophomore i wrestled 175 and then as a uh junior i wrestled 185 and by the time i was a senior i had grown to be a like i was going to wrestle heavyweight and uh but i decided that i was going to bypass my senior season and uh coach olson who was also my mathematics teacher had um, brought me in brought me in after class wanted to talk to me <laughs> i thought it was going to be an academic talk <laughs> and, uh, and he asked me how come i wasn't out for wrestling and wasn't out for wrestling and uh, i explained to him that i was uh, had a good job and i was going to buy a car and uh, i was going to move forward and and uh, under that uh, uh, direction and I, I'll always really, really respect Coach Olson for this because, um, you know, he really didn't have a vested interest in me. I had played for him one year. He was not involved with the wrestling program at all, but he was invested in uh, helping kids uh, make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. And uh, Coach Olson 
he heard my story about no car and he said I only had one opportunity left in my life to wrestle at high school and I was going to it'd be a mistake to pass it up. I told him I wanted a car really bad and he said that's so you can go out on dates and I said yes. And uh <laughs> that's important. That's important. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, on, coach. and and coach Olson said uh well, do you know that white Riviera I drive? And I said, yeah. And he said, would you like a car like that? And I said, well, probably couldn't afford one, but I would. And Coach Olson said, well, anytime you have a date, you're welcome to use my car for the date, and you don't have to drive your dad's station wagon. Wow. wow. <laughs> and uh, awesome. And I said, uh, well, I really didn't know what to say. And he said, so... Uh, being you got a car to go out on dates now, you're going to be out. You're going to be out for wrestling tomorrow. <laughs> well, we fixed that problem. And uh, I, him being my coach and all in football, I said, "Yeah, I guess you're right." So I uh, quit my job and went and went out for wrestling. The next uh, day, I was about a week late for the season, and uh, and um, I, I never did borrow his car. I always felt a little sheepish about it, but. Yeah. Um, I sketch on the straight and narrow. It got right? me. Right. He, he sort of gave For whatever me, reason. He gave me some direction in my life that uh, you know about making the right decisions, and then I went on and uh, I was an all-state wrestler that year and got a scholarship to UNO to wrestle there, and they had a nationally ranked program. And so, what what was that transition you know, like to college wrestling? from high school wrestling. Now it was, by the way, it's Bill Olson. Bill Olson. Bill was right. uh, Bill. not only a legendary know, baseball coach. Absolutely. Yeah. He was a USA national yeah. uh, coach That's for, right. uh, you know, and so involved coaching at Creighton, he right. Was a pitching coach at Creighton. And his yeah. son, Greg had a yeah. great career with Baltimore. Yeah. So finally, I, sorry, it yes. takes a few minutes Olson, to jar the right. cobwebs here, but, yes. but uh, what was that transition like to college wrestling from high school? Because it is a different ball game. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or was, wrestling game. I guess. Uh, it, it absolutely was. I, uh, you know, I, um, I left high school winning on just every match except one, which was the state finals. But I, um, uh, I w went to college and I thought winning wrestling matches was really easy. <laughs> and, uh, wow. I was, uh, I was in the wrestling room and I was, I remember wrestling with these upperclassmen, the guys that had been there a year or two. And I was just wondering because they were just beating the heck out of me. And I sort of, I just assumed they all had to be all Americans. <laughs> and then I found out that they were just guys trying to make the varsity squad. Oh, and uh, they, and I, I had little guys even. I was a heavyweight. I weighed like 230 pounds. Oh, wow. And the, I had guys that were weighing like 170 pounds just kicking my butt in the wrestling room. Uh, so it, there was a, a big, big transition, uh, from, from high school and into collegiate wrestling. And then I gave it my best shot. My sophomore year, I had a very, um, in my freshman year, I'm sorry. I had a very mediocre season and did, uh, uh, you know, I was maybe a 500 wrestler on the JV squad hmm. and, uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was certainly wasn't pinned to be doing anything very good there. And at that time, and then I actually decided to stop wrestling, uh, my sophomore year. And I, I took a season off to, uh, 
boxing the golden gloves. My father had been a, a armed force boxer. Oh, so wow. He had me boxing when I was a youngster. And some reason I thought maybe I couldn't make the UNO wrestling squad. I might be the heavyweight champion of the world in boxing. <laughs> and why not? Why not? Oh. Yes. <laughs> that, that didn't work out uh, too well. Although I was a pretty good boxer. I, they used to call them smokers or like a dual meet when one boxing club would wrestle, would fight against another club. And I, I had actually done, uh, it was pretty good. I was about eight and two in my boxing career. And then, uh, the boxing at the time, even, even amateur boxing was pretty seedy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had guys in my club that were getting arrested for manslaughter oh, and boy. things <laughs> like that. So I, yeah. uh, I decided that boxing out of the, I, I boxed out of the, there was a boxing um, club downtown where Ron Stander, who was yeah. a, a very good uh, local boxer. Fought for the heavyweight title. Fought, for, fought Joe Frazier for yeah. the heavyweight title. And I actually used to spar with Ron Stander uh, oh. at the club. And um, he, uh, uh, but uh, it was called the Foxhole. And it was, it was down on about 30th and Farnham. <laughs> Underneath a bar called the Foxhole. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and buy a drink afterward. There you go. There you sounds go. Sounds nice. Yeah. Sounds really nice. And uh, we would, uh, but uh, finally, boxing lost its luster for me, and I decided I'd give wrestling another go. And um, I sort of um, remembered um, about Bill Olson talking about opportunities and. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the times in your life where you only have certain, certain openings for opportunity that you, you had to just grab them. Yeah. And right. I, um, uh, I decided I'd come back and wrestle. And I thought that what I, one of the things I could do, I could get myself bigger and stronger and more athletic. So I worked out all summer and I quit hanging around with guys that uh, were having a lot of parties and having mm -hmm. too many good times. And yeah. I, um, I just sort of became a, I visualized myself as a Spartan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what they say that the, uh, the Spartan, uh, uh, one of their sayings was, is the uh, warrior that sweats the most will bleed the less. Oh, yeah, uh, that's good. So put I, that on the wall. We should here. put that on the wall, right. too. Yeah. So I just uh, I just worked out really hard for about six months, came back in. And uh, by that time at UNO, they had recruited another heavyweight from Iowa who was Iowa wrestling was always mm -hmm. way ahead in Nebraska wrestling. Mm -hmm. And he was a two time state champ at Iowa. Uh, and it was starting his, uh, sophomore year and he had a really good freshman year and I was able to beat him off the team at Russell offs and made the varsity spot and ended up being a varsity wrestler there. Yeah. And wow. you go ahead, Jim, well, the, all American 1976, 76. Yep. Yep. I, I made the, uh, I, uh, I placed at nationals third place and was, uh, overtime win away from making it to the finals but uh -huh. i still had a good career there and uh it sort of kept me on the on the right but uh, like i said it, it kept me going to school and then um i um uh, uh, my dad had been an engineer and my brother was an engineer and it seemed like i was destined to become an engineer so when i started school i studied engineering i was pretty good at math and uh, engineering was came relatively easy for me, and 
I uh, ended up graduating in engineering and then, uh, you know, as well as as well as uh, being a captain on the wrestling team. Yes. There's nothing more exciting than to hear a story where someone talks about seizing that opportunity. Yep. Right. And right. that, that teacher, Mr. Olson, right. Yep. Bill Olson. It yes. wasn't so much what he taught you in the classroom. It was just a couple of these words here and there that stuck with you. And that that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very much so. Uh, uh, you know, if you find somebody that will take the time to be a mentor and mm-hmm. I'll repeat myself that, uh, it always amazed me because he really had no vested interest in me. I wasn't coming back to play football for him again. I was, I was, one and done as a football player for him, and he wasn't involved with wrestling, but he understood kids and he understood opportunity, and uh, he he uh, really directed me in the right direction. Right. Yep. So, so when we come back, we're going to tackle the transition from college to a career and your claim to fame. Excuse me. Yeah, you. Thanks so much for listening to Financial Flight Academy. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at SoarWealthStrategies.com. And all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. And we're back at Financial Flight Academy with Jim Gregory. Now, Jim, let's talk about your transition from college athlete. You graduated with an engineering degree. Let's talk about that transition. Uh, We're guessing that you didn't just start out as a vice president. Uh, no, no, I, um, uh, I, um, uh, I, uh, went to, uh, you know, I, I graduated in, uh, 1977 as I was on the five-year program to get through engineering, but <laughs> I, I, I always say with, if you figure in an athletics, that's yeah. not yeah. too bad. Oh, that's sure. not too bad. Oh. Yeah. Plus yeah. you were working some side jobs. Right? Uh, yeah. Right. Yep. I was, uh, I, uh, when the wrestling season wasn't going on, I uh, got a job at a, uh, a local, uh, a very popular nightclub called uh, smugglers in, uh, <laughs> Was that next to the foxhole? <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was in West Omaha. And it was a pretty classy place. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ultimately became the Playboy Club in Omaha. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, so you're, part two. Yeah, yeah. See, well, we'll go that down yeah. that road later in the unfiltered version. But uh, no, so, so your claim to fame, your brush with celebrity, the Big Valley was almost not the Big Valley one year correct uh, well that's that's correct i was uh i was working the i was working the door at a nightclub and um you know i i had several duties i was checking ids and making sure that there was always a line to get in make sure we had enough room for the and, and i was really a great bouncer <laughs> because i i oh. i'd recognize that we we couldn't have the bar so crowded that the waitresses couldn't move around. Sure. Well, so right. I, I had to keep just the right amount of people in there to keep the service aisles open so the girls could push the drinks and get them on the tables and maximize the bar. Sure. I'm sure they didn't have to look close at your resume. Uh, <laughs> 2.30, built like a brick, you know what, house. Uh, golden glove boxer, wrestler, you're hired. Yeah. 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 And so I was a good doorman. I could keep peace in there real well. and. One night, uh, and I don't know what his real name Peter was. Breck Peter Breck is his Breck. real name. Yeah. Peter Breck. Yeah. Nick Nick Barkley from the Big Valley came in. He was uh, <laughs> his acting career must have not have been. He must have been on the downhill spiral <laughs> after, after Big Valley ended. <laughs> 
because he was uh, starring at the Omaha Playhouse as, as an actor somewhere. Mm -hmm. So he came in and I recognized him at the door and I was I was really enthralled to meet him and I shook his hand and I told him I was a big fan of his and he sort of gave me a brush off. It really, it really didn't bother me because I figured that's what celebrities do. Sure. And then I found him like the best seat in the bar and uh, got him sat down and everything. And then the girls, uh, the waitresses came up and they was saying he was getting real handsy with her. He was putting his hands up their skirts and oh stuff and, yeah. and uh -oh. getting drunk. This and is not good. Uh-oh. And this is when I, you know, I did have a job to do. This so is a call to action. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what what I did is I I went in there and first I asked him, which I always do, to behave himself, and told him the girls have been complaining. We didn't, and if he didn't, we'd have to shut him off and we'd have to ask him to leave. And uh, he uh, seemed to listen to me a little bit at that time, but he didn't seem to change his behavior. And the girls came up and said he was still be, being a problem there. And um, so I uh, basically had to grab him and physically, <laughs> uh, physically manhandle him and throw him out of the bar that night. There you go. Right, yeah, so you is. punched out Nick Barkley. <laughs> yes, I right? did. Okay. Yes, well, there I you did. go. All right. Yes, I did. And Claim to fame. And when I first met John, he gave me a celebrity snub, too. So yeah, well, I, I get it, Jim. Believe it, it was deserved, I by the way. It. Yes. I think they're all that way sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so so how did your athletic career help you transition into that, uh, the professional world? Well, you know, no, nobody really ever, you know, really ever told me much about or instructed me too much on the lines of transitioning in the world. I, I, I just assumed you get out of college, you get a job, you, uh, work your job and then do a good, good job at it. And it works out. But, uh, what I did recognize after, you know, uh, getting out and going to work that, uh, athletics had given me a really good foundation for professional, mm -hmm. uh, and career advancement. It, the first thing it taught me was a lot about teamwork, mm -hmm. uh, how to work on a team, which is crucially important when you're uh, at, at any position. Uh, it also taught me a good work ethic that if you put your head down and you work hard, you'll advance and achieve goals. And those things tended to happen uh, sort of automatically. And then uh, it also, I think, athletics uh, allow you to uh, develop leadership skills that you don't understand you're developing at the time, but uh, you develop leadership skills that then are very much uh, appreciated and, uh, and valued in your workplace. Right. So, Jim, tell me a little bit about those uh, early years for you and your family. Oh, you know, the, and working your way up the ladder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I had started, uh, I, I actually, uh, uh, got a interesting, uh, interview, <laughs> uh, when I got my first job, uh, like I said, the, the recession was going on. It was very, uh, jobs were really scarce in 1977. Jimmy Carter was a president. The economy was in the pits and, uh, it was really hard to find a job. Yeah. And, uh, I had, um, uh, back then they didn't have a lot of, uh, like career days and where this, 
companies come and interview on campus, you basically looked at the one ads and <laughs> saw who was hiring. And I saw a uh, local company was hiring and uh, they, um, uh, I decided I'd call and arrange an interview. They told me to come in Saturday morning at eight o'clock. And unfortunately on Friday night, I was <laughs> out with a friend celebrating his birthday and we stayed up most of the night celebrating and I got home. And then I remember thinking at the last minute, Oh my God, I got an interview at eight o'clock in the morning. And I got in like at 3 AM <laughs> So I, I didn't have a suit to wear or anything like that. So I just put on my best looking dirty clothes I had <laughs> and, uh, went in to, for, for my interview. And I remember opening the door and I saw all these, all these other uh, young men that I went to school with and they all had suits and ties on and their resumes were in their hand. And yeah, I had forgotten my resume and. I was just about ready to turn around and just go home. I said, there's no way I'm going to, these guys, I know they all had, you know, better yeah. grades than me in college and everything. And they were all really well-dressed and I looked like a, I looked like a bouncer coming in for a job. <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, I got in there and I decided just going through the interview process might be important. Good. So I said, I said, I, I, as long as I drove down to this place, I'm going to stick around for the interview. And being, I was a little bit late getting in there. I was the last guy they interviewed and, uh, they brought me in the room and they were interviewing me and they were asking me about my background and they asked me if I was working. I told them I was a host at a nightclub and <laughs> they were a host. <laughs> oh, now. They, they, they were very interested in what the duties a host was. And finally the, the the guy said, well, it sounds to me like you're a bouncer. And I said, yeah, I do that too. And, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he was, uh, that's, that seemed to be r real important to him. And uh, as it turned out, the company I was interviewing with, we, they were doing a job over in council Bluffs and they were having a lot of uh, union uh, violence going on on the job. Mm. And, uh, uh -huh. Huh. And uh, just the guy, a well, particular they, set of skills. They they were really interested in my boxing and wrestling background, <laughs> and my bouncing background. So the guys in suits went into this thing all wrong. Yeah. They they were all <laughs> wrong about it, and, and they actually. Uh, I remember uh, there was a guy named uh, Ray Dean interviewing me, and he said uh, he said assuming you you did actually graduate from college we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be able to offer you this job wow so i had to go back to uno pay all my parking tickets and to, <laughs> to, to get my transcripts released that i was able to graduate and i got a job and i was out i guess i out interviewed all these other guys there so i was real pleased with myself good thing you turned around and said i better just get in there and interview yeah Absolutely. Big decision. Absolutely. Right. It's one of those little things that make a big difference. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. So you end up being the vice president of this enormous company. Yeah. I started out as a superintendent working for him. And um, that's the guy on the job site that's in charge of the, the work crews. And I was able to, uh, you know, you know, the, the path to success there, you know, if you work hard, uh, 
did your job, recognize what you were supposed to, what the expectations of the company were, and you you did them to the best of your abilities. You just tended to constantly advance yourself. And I worked, and then I was a superintendent, and I became a general superintendent. And then uh, because I was actually their, the company's first college-educated superintendent. Prior to that, they mm-hmm. just had tradesmen in that position. In the wintertime, the trades superintendents would work in the shop, and they I'd have to go in the office and help out with some of the office work. And then they decided uh, to keep me in the office and make me a project manager. And then after becoming a project manager for about 10 years, I became a division manager, and then ultimately I became executive vice president. Wow. Yeah. An overnight success story, right? Wow. No, was, <laughs> yeah. about, about 35 years. Yeah, 35 years about or so. 35 years. Overseeing yeah. millions of dollars of projects. So yeah. Quite, it's yeah. A, an amazing story. So you're working your way up, and obviously you start investing money and became very successful investing money. And, you know, many of our clients, John, that we work with, remember the old Black Monday from 1987. I remember it. Yes, um, Brent. Dow Jones, yep. industrial average, fell almost 23% in one day. Uh, Jim, what did you take from that you know, well, event? I was, uh, at, you know, d- during that time, inflation was extremely high. Yeah. And inflation was running in the uh, 7 to 9% range, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only, I, I was fortunate from my parents had taught me how to save money. So I was saving money, but putting money in the bank didn't make any sense because the banks were paying about 6%. Inflation was running at about 8 So you were losing money. So the only way you could protect yourself was put it in the money markets. And I was putting any uh, excess money we had in uh, saving college for my kids and things. And I was putting... Uh, stashing money away in the uh, money markets. Mm-hmm. And then uh, was it Black Tuesday or Black Thursday? What, what was it? it was one of the days it of the was, week. It was yeah. Tuesday <laughs> or Thursday. I, I can't remember. Yeah, also, it was Black Monday. Actually. Black Monday. That yeah. was it. Also diversified with some land, I understand. Yeah. Uh, when when that happened, I uh, when when that uh, market correction happened and, and uh, I lost like 25% of everything I had worked for overnight, I thought to myself that, uh, you know, well, this is a lousy way to do things. <laughs> and uh, I was fortunate timing wise because. Thanks the- for joining us, Jim. No, <laughs> just, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, was, I, I, I was I was fortunate because at, at the time the farm crisis was was happening and which I really wasn't aware of. And I decided that by golly, we were living on an acreage at the time and I couldn't understand why. At the time when farm ground was selling for $1,500 an acre, I had to pay $5,000 an acre for an acreage lot. Mm -hmm. So I decided I'd take uh, about half the money that I still had left and buy uh, buy a farm that was for sale. And I bought the farm that was for sale and I divided it up into some 20-acre lots. Uh, And uh, at first they didn't sell because the farm I bought and I was in planting and corn and nobody really was too enthusiastic about living in a cornfield. <laughs> so we planted it to alfalfa and then, then you have a nice hay to alfalfa mm-hmm. field with a nice smell of fresh hay. And, um, I en- ended up buying a farm and selling it, uh, 
I bought it for about $2,000 an acre. And then I start, I was selling the lots for about $5,000 an acre and they sold out in about two years. And you know, you were making some really serious money yeah. then. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you were, you know, buying at a, you know, 2000 selling at five. And I did that a couple of times. Uh, then, uh, uh, one of my, uh, one of the one of my friends that was an attorney told me about 1030 wanting the money to right uh 1031 exchange doing the 1031 exchange to keep you from paying the capital gains on that so I, I did that a couple times and and uh I uh sort of had a as much time between my day job and my family would allow I sort of had a real estate uh sort of uh uh, buy, sell, uh, never incorporated in a company, but I was doing quite a bit of that. Yeah. And you ultimately, uh, sold off the land that is now iron horse. Yeah. yeah. Golf course and yes. neighborhoods there. So yes, yes. that turned out okay for you. I'd say John's yes. seen all of that golf course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> None of the fairways, but know, I've seen right. a lot of the golf course. Right. Yes. And right. So you know, John diversification. Yeah, it does right. speak to different. It's not like you totally abandoned 401ks and things like that. No, 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 diversified no. And, uh, and we I, talk about that a lot. In fact, I had someone call the uh, not recently who said, uh, I've had financial advisors. I bought a farm and a financial advisor told me that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not stupid if you like to own farms and you're okay with renting and, right. uh, and getting well, a check. And, 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 and like you said, you know, and if it's in the path of development and the, the old saw of buying low and selling high always works, right? It always works. And, right. and whether that's farmland, whether that's apartments, whether that's, um, uh, uh, stocks, mm -hmm. uh, or anything, if, if you buy low and sell high, you're going to get ahead quick. And, uh, and if you buy right long-term, you always get ahead. There yeah. you go. And as long as we're talking about property, uh, just happened yesterday. If you live in the state of Nebraska and you pay property taxes, uh, you get a state property tax credit on your taxes. And a lot of people, unfortunately, there's $500 million that have not been claimed in these property tax credits. Just yesterday, we helped a young family who I noticed on their tax return did not take the credit. So uh, those are things we check for here. Um, so if you're not taking that credit, Make sure you do. Yeah, it's or, the the it is the credit for school district property taxes and the credit for community college property taxes. And that's on every property tax statement. That is right. Correct. That's right. Yep. yep. And yep. although we're not, you know, CPAs, we review clients' taxes regularly to make sure that, you know, those type of <laughs> advantages are taken advantage of. Yep. And I real quick, Jim, we're at the end of our time here, but I gotta say, of all the people that I know, helping people transition to retirement. A lot of folks have a hard time with that. To me, you have, or probably the guy who has figured it out better than anybody I know. Hmm. Well, thank you. I'm not sure about that, but it's worked out well. For well, me. you got a lot. You have, you fish, you hunt, yeah, you yep. have hobbies, you're a woodworker, you've yeah, yeah. He does work at my house. I mean, for crying out loud, the guy is, thank God, because I, I am not still, handy. Is he still doing part-time uh, <laughs> posting? I'm not sure if he is or not, but if he is, we'll we'll, we'll have you contact him. Well, Jim, uh, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. You are an inspiration of after, uh, you know, a what could have been a downward spir spiral in high school after getting kicked out and then ascending to uh, great heights in the corporate world. Well, I appreciate you having I, I I would hope that in some way my story would give people the uh, 
the uh the thought process that uh you know uh everything doesn't work out like a storybook uh right piece by piece but uh ultimately if you keep your eye on the end goal and you make the right decisions uh anything's possible absolutely yep great story so uh you are good you're quite the inspiration and uh people can turn things around so uh if you'd like to schedule time with us here at Sorwell Strategies, a no-obligation fit meeting, uh, you can give us a call here at the office, 531-867-3400. You can also visit us on our website, soarwealthstrategies.com. And please join us next time here on Financial Flight Academy. Thank you for listening to the Financial Flight Academy podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at soarwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 531-867-3400. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Soar Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.